0: Well, one of the things, one of the ways social media has impacted our lives um, is we we can do all the things we used to do, but we can do them kind of on a broader scale. So, like, people always gossiped and slandered, unfortunately, but now we can gossip and slander and share unfounded stories just like with a a click of a button. And, uh, well, you know, it was social media, and it was, you know, so uh, not a big deal, but it turns out... uh, still sin to do that, you know. Uh, But uh, another way that social media has kind of helped us do something that we've always done, but to do it um, even more quickly and easily and with a larger audience, is social media has empowered us to brag in new and exciting ways. And And with a uh, a, a broader audience and so maybe you're familiar with the term humble brag Are we familiar with the term humble brag and so a humble brag is something we do either in person or on social media and uh we brag we're bragging but we're doing it in such a way where we seem really modest okay and so I, I, uh, here's a few uh examples from uh, i think what the kids call the twitter and so uh Watching my segment on Fox and cringing. Okay, stop. This is a humble brag, okay? Uh, This person is trying to sound humble, but really just wanted us to know she was on Fox, right? Let's go to the next. Uh, Ames Lorraine uh, tweets, I'm wearing a ponytail, rolled out of bed from a nap at the bar with my guy, and guys are still hitting on me. Like, really? Okay, that's a humble brag. We get in the... uh, Okay, the downside of my glamorous life, standing around for six hours at the royal wedding... My entire little toe is basically one unified blister, so NPR, Monkey C, wanted us to know at the royal wedding, and now we know. Uh, Josh Sigurdsson, uh, hi, at Jimmy Kimmel, hi, I'm 16, I'm publishing three books and an album this year, so you, if you might want to try to catch up with this guy, uh, do you have any advice on how to handle it best? And so, and so Josh, he's, uh, he's humble enough to say, how can I help all the fame, uh, how can I handle all the fame I'm about to have? Joshua Horitz, I get it. You're the coolest man on the planet enough. That's what I resisted saying when I met Johnny Depp earlier today. Okay. Uh, next, we got, still not used to this question, can I have your autograph? Van D. Hatch, I don't know if we ever get used to that question. I, I certainly haven't gotten used to that question. Uh, I don't know if you guys have. Um, Cheryl Yo really takes us to uh, the next level. I just did something very selfless. Yes, you did, Cheryl. But more importantly, it was genuine, and I know it means a lot. To the person in the long run hashtag so worth it yeah the hoff weighs in it's an evening with the hoff britain's got talent followed by my life story on pierce morgan hopefully you won't get sick of me i think that concern's coming about 25 years too late but thanks <laughs> to the Hoff. um i find it incomprehensible that i am booking my life past july of next year right now hashtag Rains it pours. Uh, isn't that just a casual way to throw out there, I'm super important, I'm super busy? ESPN Collins says, nine hours in a room with seven comedy writers yesterday for CBS sitcom About My Life. But he's going to sh- give a shout out to the little people, lots of talented, funny people in this world who never get props. Okay, so that's a humble brag. Recognized, a, I'm not sure if this is an actual number, but recognized a gagillion times today, even two casting directors said they were fans. Hashtag, this never happens. Can we start a media campaign to question how I got into Colombia too? Okay, go to the next one. <laughs> Bitfunk says, It always feels a little odd to me when I get recognized randomly in public. I never know what to say. I'm so glad it doesn't happen very often. That's a humble brag. Will Twitter be available for me in Paris, Milan, or the Maldives? Uh, I hope so because it won't be in Hong Kong or Singapore so Melton's about to do some traveling even pastors do this I'm humbled you follow my tweet Circle Warren says I pray they enrich your life and strengthen your ministry God bless all 200,000 of you yes so why do we brag why do we brag Um, we tend to despise a bragger but yet do you ever find yourself being a bragger Um, We hate it when we see it in somebody else, but do we ever find ourselves dropping casually in conversation or on social media, how busy we are, how important we are, how great we are? Brian Regan uh, has a a great bit that I was actually reminded of in this book by J.D. Greer called The Gospel Above All, and Brian Regan has this bit called The Me Monster. And the me monster is this guy at every party who you're telling a story about getting two wisdom teeth pulled. He parachutes in with, I got eight wisdom teeth pulled, you know. And, and, and he's the guy that you tell a story about your kids and he says, well, that's nothing. My pre-K uh, kid is in trigonometry right now. And, and, and me, me, me. And the last time I was in the south of France, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the thing is, like, we can't stand the me monster but there's kind of a me monster in each of us. And Regan says, he says, I wish I was one of the 12 or so people who's walked on the moon. And I would just be at the party eating my chips. And when the me monster got finished talking, I would say, yeah, well, I walked on the moon, top that. Because who can top that, right? Who can top that? And, and we're starting there because uh, I believe the gospel, I believe an encounter with the love of God, radically changes how we brag. The the, the point isn't to go from not being a bragger, or from being a bragger to not being a bragger. The the, the, the thing is, when we encounter Jesus, we still brag, but we brag in a different way, and we brag about a different person, and it's not me at the center of it anymore. We're going to try to unpack that this morning, but why do we brag? Uh, We brag because we seek armor against vulnerability. We don't want people to see how vulnerable we really are we want to hide our insecurity so we build up this wall of bragging we brag because we want approval and acceptance from other people and we think the only way we can get it is if we make ourselves out to be greater than we are we brag i think fundamentally because we're wired for worship every person in this in this room every human on this planet was created and wired by god for worship You are going to make a big deal out of something. Your life is going to make a big deal out of something or someone because that's how your God made you. And the question is, am I going to make a big deal out of me or am I going to make a big deal out of him? We were made to worship. You're made to celebrate, to praise, to to boast, to brag, to worship something or someone. Uh, In Acts 4.20, the disciples uh, uh, are, are going around telling people about Jesus. The religious leaders say, hey, stop telling them. And they say, hey, if we should answer, listen to you or God, you judge. Verse 20, Peter and John say, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We can't stop telling people what God has done. And that's the kind of bragging that a Christian does. We go around saying, you know what, can I tell you what God has done lately? I can't stop talking about it, your highest purpose my highest purpose is to give glory and honor and praise and make a big deal out of the king of the universe the creator of the universe the one who redeems you with his own blood all right but but romans 1 remember verses 18 and following paul told us that we become twisted by sin and sin has twisted that core purpose of making a big deal out of God. And we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, Paul writes. We've started worshiping the creature rather than the creator. And the, the result of twisted worship is we started living twisted lives. And, and we started, instead of making a big deal about God, we started making a big deal about ourselves. And we started making a big deal about, about things that are not God. G.K. Bill is a scholar I appreciate a lot. And he says, you resemble what you revere either for your ruin or your restoration. You resemble what you revere, either for your ruin or your restoration. Everyone in this room reveres something. And we come to resemble whatever it is that we revere. And whatever we're revering and resembling, we're either heading to ruin or restoration. We're either on a path, based on what you revere, we're either on a path to become more like the self-giving, sacrificing God of love, oh, we're on a path to becoming the me monster. Which which way are we heading? And it all depends on who and how we brag. I believe that that a heart satisfied, this is our our point today, a heart satisfied in God's love gets bragging right. The question today isn't should you brag or don't brag, the question is who are we bragging in because you're going to brag on someone. You're going to make a big deal out of someone. And Paul says, far be it from me that I should boast in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. A heart satisfied in God's love gets bragging right. We're starting there again for two reasons. Romans 5 really has the central idea of this amazing love of God. And this whole Romans 5 through 8 section is about God's love. Uh, the, The last verse of Romans 8 says this incredible statement that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That's the theme of this section of Romans. Paul has moved from kind of unpacking that by God's grace through faith we can be justified, we can be made right with God, and now he's going to spend the next three chapters unpacking that, that, that God loves us. And when, when Paul was showing us that God is just and God is righteous and that God does what he says he'll do, he said, if you want proof for that, look at the cross of Jesus. And now Paul's going to unpack God's love for you. He's going to say, you want proof of God's love for you? Look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at, at Christ crucified. You're going to see how much God loves you and loves broken uh, of, of this world. So Romans 5 uh, it really brings together, it puts forward this acceptance That God offers, this love that God offers, that when you experience that, when you build your life on that, it kind of begins to seem foolish to brag about anyone or anything else. Second reason is that in this passage, Paul uses this word brag three times. Your translation might say boast, it might say rejoice, it might say exalt, it might say glory, but Paul three times gives us three things that we can boast, brag, rejoice in. Because a life gripped by God's love, a heart that's satisfied in God is a heart that gets bragging right. See, if I know Jesus, if I say I know Jesus, and I'm still going around bragging on myself and my accomplishments all the time, that doesn't mean that my self-esteem is too high. It means that my esteem for Jesus is too low. And as believers, the point isn't have a low self-esteem, The point is, esteem Jesus highly. Esteem Jesus above all else. And if you esteem Jesus first and most and best, you're going to find that you're not bragging on yourself, but you're bragging on Him. So only a heart that's been oriented towards God can get bragging right. And you were made to brag. That's why we do it. You were made to brag. This is a strong statement. But start paying attention in Paul's letters about all the time he talks about boasting in the Lord. You were made to make a big deal out of God. In the absence of that, we're going to make a big deal out of something. The Aggies or, or, or Tech or the Mustangs or whatever. Or ourselves or our money or whatever. We're all going to make a big deal out of something. And all that points to the biggest deal. we will call it make a big deal out of God. It's what a testimony is. A testimony isn't making a big deal out of our sin. A testimony is exactly what Latrice just did when she said, this is what God has done for me. A testimony is bragging on God. Evangelism fundamentally is just bragging about God. It's just saying, man, can you believe what God would do? Can you believe the the deal that God offers you? I just can't stop speaking about what I've seen and heard and, and nobody can stop you if your heart's set on that. Worship is just us getting together and giving glory to God, making a big deal out of God in, in song and in Scripture and doing it within earshot of each other so that our faith builds up each other. That's what all of this is about, is just making a big deal out of God. And so, so let's look at these first 11 verses of Romans 5. Let's look at what makes God's love special. Romans five one, Therefore, so because of everything I've just said, Paul says, all that about justif- being justified, made right with God by faith. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, that's a summary of the first four chapters, we have peace with God. Whew. Man, there is a peace with God that comes from knowing that this holy, amazing God loves you and wants, to be, wants you to be right with Him. There's a peace of that, uh, there's a, that comes with that approval that can't come from anybody else's approval. And when we acknowledge and, and, and really embrace that we can have peace with God, man, we, we get set free from trying to chase peace in pleasing everybody else around us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through him we also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. We've gone from being slaves to sin, and now we stand in this state of grace. And we rejoice, you might circle it or underline it, we rejoice, we boast in, we exalt in, we glory in, we make a big deal out of the hope of the glory of God. We're going to come back to that. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? We boast in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak. Look at how Paul describes us before we know Jesus. But While we were still weak. At the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one will dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Weak, ungodly, ungodly sinners christ died for us since therefore we have been justified by his blood much more will we be saved from him by the from the wrath of god for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more now that we're reconciled will we be saved by his life more than that we rejoice we boast in we celebrate we make a big deal out of god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received reconciliation what makes god's love special The center of this passage is there in verse 8. God demonstrates, he shows. Old King James says, commends or commendeth. He shows his love to us. He puts his love on display. God's love is unconditional. That's the first thing that makes it different than mine or yours. God doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to show my love when these people start showing some respect. You know, He doesn't say, man, they're going to get to earning it one of these days and they're really going to deserve my love. No, he says, man, you're totally... Unworthy. And yet I'm choosing to set my love on you in Christ. It's unconditional. It's for the undeserving. He describes us as weak, ungodly sinners. We realized in the first service that spells wuss, right? Weak, ungodly sinners. And he says, Man, I'm setting my love on you even though you're unworthy of it. And God's love comes at a cost that is unimaginable. It's the cost, he says, While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He makes this incredible exchange where he lays his life down, the innocent one, for you and for me. Unimaginable cost. Paul says, you know, some of us might die for a good person, right? Because it goes back to that merit thing and that deserving thing we talked about last week. Somebody in here might say, you know what, I see an innocent or a good person and and, and I, I would lay down my life for that person, that person who deserves it. A few of us would do that. Maybe a lot of us would do that. But he says, who is going to lay down your life for somebody that, that doesn't deserve it? Who didn't earn it? Who's a weak, ungodly sinner? He says, you know who does that? The Son of God. The one who lived the life that we couldn't live. The one who died the death that we deserved. He lays down his life. His love is unconditional, it's undeserving, and it's unimaginable. And when we taste that, when we see that for what it is, when we, when we look at the cross and resurrection of Jesus and say, wow, that's what real love is, we can, we can be set free from chasing the approval of others. We can have peace with God. God's love is the only source of peace. His love is demonstrated in Jesus' willingly laying down His life for us. And, and that's an embrace, that's acceptance beyond our wildest dreams. And when I live from that acceptance, I can stop chasing everybody else's acceptance. Bragging on myself becomes silly in comparison to spending my life bragging on him. And bragging on him seems to be when I really see his love for what it is. Bragging on him begins to become the only reasonable way to spend my life. Man, I want to stop making a big deal about me and I want to make a big deal about Jesus. But the thing is, guys, we forget this every day. That's why we need this. That's why we've got to abide daily in God's word because we forget that his love is better. Do you ever forget? You're like, would you repeat the question? Would you ever forget that his love is better? I do. You do. And we've got to remind each other. We've got to be reminded by God's word. An encounter with this kind of love leads to a life of celebration. That's why Paul says three times in this little passage, boast, celebrate, make a big deal out of these things. Now, did you ever meet a celebrity? And I know this isn't a trick question. I'm not trying to get, oh, stop boasting, get out of here, but did you ever meet a celebrity, show of hands? Meet a celebrity? Yeah. Did you tell anybody? Don't do false humility now. you have already halfway down the road. You told somebody. It's like, yeah, uh, I was hanging out with Pat Sajak the other day and, uh, you know, uh, turns out he really can spell. You know, like, yeah, we work it into not sure why Pat Sajak was the, the one famous person I could think of. It was J-Lo in the first service, Pat Sajak this time. But uh, anyway, he, he hosts the game show, kids, okay? He's a real dude. Um, yeah, we, we, we meet the celebrity and we tell people about it. And, and the idea of, of boasting in Jesus is like, can you believe I met Jesus. Wow, the creator of the universe, he died on the cross, he bore my sin, he, he died the death that I deserved, he rose from the grave. Can I tell you about him? I mean, that just seems to be the reasonable response. When you find out that that special person loves you, and I clarified this in the first service, I'll clarify it again, if you're married, that special someone is your spouse, not, you know, not Linda at work, okay? Um, you're spe- you find out your special someone loves you, you're like, you celebrate, right? When I found out Sonda, you know, um, uh, had her sights set on me, you know, when I found out that Sonda, no, might return my affection, man, I celebrated. And, and you know, I started working Sonda into every... Con- oh, you got a piano here? Uh, well, you know who else plays the piano? Sonda does. She does. And uh, I see you uh, have an oxygen tank there. Uh, you know who breathes oxygen? Sonda. <laughs> she's great at it. she just should, should see her do it sometime. It's amazing. You know And you just celebrate. You just, you just can't stop talking. It's a natural response to love. And Paul's saying, "Man, God's love? the response to that is a different kind of boasting. It's a new kind of bragging. So the thing is, the, the, this seems strange at first, but the, the other side of love is wrath or hate. What? Yes. So if you say you love children, then that means if you love children, then you must hate child abuse. Right? If you love freedom, you must hate slavery and tyranny. God loves you. And that's, you know, Paul unpacked wrath earlier in Romans. God's wrath is towards anything that would destroy or deface or harm you. And so uh, one of the things that, that God says throughout the scripture over and over and over again that He hates, that He despises is pride. Proverbs 8:13 says, "The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and the perverted speech, I hate." God says over and over, "I hate pride. I hate arrogance." And the reason God hates pride is because it's a distortion of his core purpose for your life and mine. It's a twist on the whole reason we exist because we don't exist to make a big deal out of ourselves. We exist to make a big deal out of Jesus. And pride will stiffen our necks, it will harden our hearts, it will stop up our ears, and it will rob us of becoming the people that God created us to be. But a heart satisfied in God's love gets bragging right. A heart that knows God is a heart that knows how to brag. So he says in verse 2, through him we've obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice, we celebrate, we boast, we make a big deal of the hope of the glory of God. One thing Paul tells us that somebody in love with Jesus makes a big deal out of the hope we have in Jesus. And I'm concerned that a lot of our conversations really don't boil down to, you know what, there's coming a day when sin is going to be totally, uh, it's gonna be totally uh, taken from this earth and every tear is going to be wiped away. And, and, and we don't maybe think about our hope enough, but man, guys, that's what keeps us going. That's what gives us strength today to persevere, to resist temptation, to keep fighting, to keep doing good is because we as Christians believe that there is going to be a resurrection. We believe that this whole universe is going to be made new. We believe that God is personally going to wipe every tear away from every eye. We believe that sin and evil and death don't get the last word. We believe that there's going to be this new creation and we might spend a uh, hundred thousand years building a cabin in the woods and, and then Derek comes by to, to, to visit. and we, we sit and drink coffee for a thousand years with no pressure at all to complete the the project like there's something amazing ahead of us and we can celebrate that we can boast in that we can make a big deal out of that he goes on in the next verse to say and we can boast in our sufferings and that's where we say what rejoice in our sufferings what are you talking about he says because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope and god's hope will not disappoint you because god's love has been poured out in your heart through the holy spirit We can rejoice in suffering. We could rejoice in in, in what Latrice shared earlier because we know that whatever suffering you may have and Do we love suffering? No, suffering stinks. Suffering is terrible. i look forward to the day that that there's no more suffering at all, but we can rejoice in the midst of it because we know whatever suffering we have, it's not the end of the book. It's not even the end of the chapter. God is still writing something and your suffering is not the end of the story. We rejoice because we believe, like Jim Rhodes always says, something better is coming. And we know that God's doing something in us. God hasn't promised that all our dreams are gonna come true in this life, but he has promised, if you know Jesus, that he is gonna form Christ in you and that Jesus is enough that's why we can rejoice in suffering we can celebrate in the midst of it Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirty, 30 he says if I must boast I'm gonna boast in the things that show my weakness in that chapter he goes through and says this is how many times I've been arrested beaten shipwrecked thrown in jail and it's like if that's a resume Paul you're doing it wrong okay you're supposed to talk about how great you are right and most of us spend our lives hiding our feet of clay. Don't want anybody to see that. And Paul writes to Corinthians, who are, whose main problem is pride and arrogance, He says, Hey, guys, check out my feet of clay. Isn't God amazing? And that's your story. It's not about pretending that our feet aren't clay. It's about look at what God can do with a fool, look at what God can do with a weak, ungodly sinner imagine what he'll do for you it's about bragging on him not pretending we're something to brag about celebrate he says in verse 11 more than that we rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received reconciliation we rejoice we celebrate we make a big deal out of the god who reconciles i was an enemy of god and god made me right with him and thankful for that every day we celebrate that by becoming a minister of reconciliation and pursuing those that are far from God and saying hey you want to know God pursuing people that are far from one another and saying and the gospel says you can forgive and you can come close and you can name the, the sin between you and it can be nailed to the cross and it can be done away with we become ministers of reconciliation We share the gospel, and you know, I was reminded this last week that our job is to share, and God's job is to save. So maybe you share the gospel a hundred times, and you get a hundred no's, probably won't, but let's say that happens. You've been faithful to share, and God's the one who's faithful to save and faithful to reconcile. To boast means we talk about, we make a big deal out of our hope, God's presence in the midst of our sufferings and the God who reconciles. And as we close, all this is more than a feeling. God's love is more than a feeling. Um, I know we're all singing it in our heads, so let's just give it a moment. Let it, okay. Um, Paul says in verse five, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Interesting that Paul, talking about the Holy Spirit, he gives us three fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, in this very passage. And there's times that you feel God's love, aren't there? There's times that it's just like God's love is around you like a snuggy blanket, and you're just, oh, I feel it, and I'm thankful for those times. But Paul, in this passage, is giving us the foundation that we can build our lives on, whether we feel it or not, because you know what? I don't always feel like being married to Sonda, and she doesn't always feel like being married to me. She's not listening. is she? Okay, Uh, I'm just kidding. We don't always feel it. But the love commitment is something deeper than what we feel in the moment. Your commitment to Jesus, your commitment to your church is deeper than how you feel in a given moment. It's interesting that Paul says the Holy Spirit pours love into the hearts of believers. Other times we hear about God pouring stuff out, he's pouring wrath out. But if you have, 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 Embrace the free gift of God in Christ, rather than having wrath poured out on you. God pours His own love inside your heart, which empowers you to love Him, whether you feel it or not. So, my son Ethan, who's five years old in kindergarten, ki- kindergarten, he has a great teacher, by the way, um, and uh, but we've been having a problem with him because he just has a lazy streak. Okay, and and so. He's not wanting to do his schoolwork. And so for, you know, last year and then already this year, it's been like, Ethan, hey, you do your schoolwork? No. And, and, I, and, and, and so me, being this, you know, pastoral guy that I am, my response is, work harder, do more, be better at it. But then I think, wait a minute, maybe this isn't working because he's still not getting the job done. And, and so uh, finally I stumble onto, I wonder if I just pray with my kid. If this would help. That's crazy thought, isn't it? And so we started doing this thing where in the morning we would just get on each other's level and and, and we're not out of the woods, but it's helped. I said, Hey bud, you gonna work hard today? You gonna work like you're working for Jesus today? I "I don't know. You know? (laughs) Well, hey sometimes we're unable. Sometimes we're unwilling. But God says that he helps us in our weakness. So can we pray together that God will help you and that you're going to let God help you today? And so we pray. Every morning we've been praying. And one morning he just buried his face in my chest and he just starts crying. I said, why are you crying, buddy? He said, I'm afraid I'm not going to work hard. <laughs> okay, why are you afraid of that? Because I didn't last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So can we ask God to help us? What Ethan's running up against is this human thing of inability and unwillingness. I'm unable to love you like God loves you. I'm unwilling to love like God loves. But God's love has been poured out in my heart through the Holy Spirit, giving me the power to love like Jesus loves in my place. And if you know Jesus, the same is true of you. Does that mean we do it perfectly all the time? No. But it starts with with embracing that we're unable on our own and asking him, to help us. You can become a better bragger. That's what I want for you. Be a better bragger than you've ever been. Spend your days bragging about how good God is. You can be a better bragger because a heart satisfied in God's love gets bragging right. So as we close, as the band comes up, I want to close with uh, Galatians six, fourteen, where Paul says, Far be it from me that I should boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I have been crucified to the world. Paul says, I don't want to make a, bigger, a big deal out of anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. So question, first question, is your life anchored to the cross of Jesus Christ? Is your brag that Jesus has done for you what no one else could do? Do you know Him? If not, as the band plays, you're just going to have an invitation as everybody's singing to come down, let's pray, let's talk about your walk with Him and and let's get you introduced to Him, okay? Next, if you do know Jesus, I'm going to ask you if you'll put the the who's the one, yeah. Uh, Every week we've been talking about who's your one. Who's that one person you're praying for? You're texting, you're encouraging, You're, you're having coffee with, you're talking to about the Lord, who's that one person you're being intentional about? If you don't have one, get one. Who will you pray for? Who will you encourage? So pray for your one in this. If you're good with the Lord, pray for your one in this time. All right, let's stand again.